The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. I want you to turn in your Bible to, it might be the most familiar passage in all of Scripture, Psalm 23. I want you to go to Psalm 23 with me this morning. And we're going to walk through this together. Very familiar psalm. Some of you may even have it on your walls at home somewhere uh, in a in a frame, but I want us to see the truth of it today. So Psalm 23, follow along with me as I read it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together real briefly. God, I believe the truth of this psalm, and God, I I believe it's something that we need. Not just to have memorized, not just to say, not just to read at funerals, but God, to understand the truth of it. And God, I have no doubt this morning, all of us in this place need the truth of it in our heart. To be replenished, to be nourished, to hold on to you for our trust and for our hope. So God, help us to see that this morning. Help us to stay true to your word. And we trust that you will do your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I really just want to walk through this verse by verse, no real outline, but just walking through this uh, one by one to see the truths of it as David would write this out. If you notice in verse one, it starts, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to notice how David put this. He did not say the Lord is our shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's very important as we start to understand this Psalm is this Psalm only remains true for you. If the Lord is your shepherd. There are some in this building right now, I have no doubt that this psalm is not truth for you because the Lord is not your shepherd. You've not placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. You've not fully committed yourself to him and trust in his forgiving mercy and grace that he provides on the cross. You've you've never done that before. And because you've never done that before, then this is not a psalm for you. But the good news of the gospel is this. By the time you leave, this morning, this psalm can be for you. It can be for you. Because the good news of the gospel is that it extends out to everybody. That by God's grace, you can be saved through faith. And my prayer is that today, that the power of the Holy Spirit would just convict your heart, that you would see who Jesus is and the truth of him, that you would trust in him as your savior. Because if you look at Psalm 22, which actually Pastor Matt preached through Psalm 22 a couple of weeks ago on on a Sunday evening. But in Psalm 22, you have some very famous lines. The very first line of Psalm 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is something that's preached at Easter because these are the exact words that Jesus would cry out on on the cross. And as you go through Psalm 22, you see David crying out to the Lord. Really a lot of distress. Really, we don't see many, many answers 
in Psalm 22. There's just this heart crying out of, of what is happening? Where, where are you? But then right after Psalm 22, we come to Psalm 23, where David, after, after these struggles, after these, after these trials, would then get to verse one of Psalm 23 and say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So all these questions in the Psalm before simply answered in verse one, the Lord is, is my shepherd. Christian, I want you to remember that. You have a personal relationship with your Lord. It's very personal. Now, some people get off track with that. I mean, I was talking to somebody just this week where they say, hey, it's personal. I don't need anybody else. I don't need church. I don't need to be around other people. It's a personal relationship. Well, that's, that's wrong. That's skewed. That's not what it means by personal. We're also the family of God. We're also the body of Christ. There's so many illustrations that say we need each other desperately, that we're not wanderers on our own as Christians. No, we need each other desperately. But yet there's this personal relationship that we have with Jesus. So much so that, look what it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. When the Lord is your shepherd, you, you have no wants. There is contentment. This has references in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, and you can you can read that on your own. I don't want to read that this morning, but imagine, so imagine with me. I would guess nobody's really here this morning who feels this way 100%. Imagine not having any wants. Living your life in a way of complete contentment all the time. And your contentment was found in the Lord. That's what David is talking about here, saying, I have this perfect contentment because the Lord is my shepherd. I have peace with God and there are, there are no other wants that I have, even no other needs that I would have because he is my shepherd. Now, contentment is a very important part of the Christian's walk. It's been something I've been studying lately and reading on. There's a Puritan, Jeremiah Burroughs, which I'll quote here in a moment, but he has a book on it that I haven't read all of it yet. But in Philippians chapter four, verse 11 It says, not that I am speaking of being in need. This is Paul talking. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That Puritan writer, Jeremiah Burroughs, this is the quote that he has about contentment. He says, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. It's something that I've been praying for. God, make me content. Help me to be somebody who, who is always content because I struggle with that. I don't know if you think about it in your life, but maybe, maybe it's something you, you struggle with too in, in very subtle ways. Well, it, it's nice to make $12 an hour. It'd be really nice to make $12.50 an hour. Well, it'd be really nice to make $13, $13 an hour. I mean, the car I have is really nice but the Bluetooth doesn't work that good. I'd really just like to have some better Bluetooth in it. I was in a hotel this week and they advertised how good their TVs were. You know what they were? They were 32 inches. That's a joke. You don't advertise 32 inch TVs. That was a joke. I was not content with my television in my hotel room. You see, but as Christians, we, we, we need to be people who are 
are content in our life. And, and others need to see that, that we're, that we're not going around like the rest of the world trying to devour each other to get ahead, to get a step ahead, that we're not always in this state where we're just not happy, we're not comfortable with where we're at. It'd be nice, I'd, I'd feel a little more comfortable if my 401k had this much, if the market would just do a little bit better, I'd be a little happier if my business did this. No, we need to be people who are content because what we have as Christians is all we need. And that is, that is Christ. And you say, but pastor, we need money. And we, we have to eat and we, we have to drink. I understand that. But listen, if all of that stuff disappeared and you died, you still have Christ. You cannot lose him. He cannot be taken away from you. And so David understood that. In his life as king, he understood people were out to get him, but he would say, but the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. And he goes on to verse two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. We're talking about again, this shepherd and being sheep. And we see this idea of being taken to this green pasture and to, to lie down in this green pasture. And if you're, if you're a sheep, if you know anything about, about sheep, a sheep is not going to lie down if he's hungry. And so again, there's this understanding here that the Lord, the Lord or the shepherd takes this sheep into the pasture where he eats his full and then lies down very comfortably in the pasture to rest. This, this word lie down is, is the comfortable that you are at home, not the comfortable that you are here. And what I mean by that is sprawling out putting on your comfy clothes, right? Getting wherever you are most comfortable in your home, cuddling up and saying, now this is complete comfort. That's the picture that we have here, that the shepherd takes us to the green pasture where we, we have our full, completely full, and we can lie down in a place of peace. I don't know if you've ever been to a place like that before. Maybe, maybe you have a place in your life that you can think about even right now where when you get to go there, it's just so peaceful. You enjoy it. Maybe it's quiet. Maybe it's relaxing. Maybe it's, maybe it's beautiful uh, scenery. Maybe it's a place in your home where you get to go with a book and not get interrupted. But for you, that's your, that's your place of peace. That's your place of, of comfort that you, enjoy, that you enjoy being in. This is kind of that, that picture that the Lord has done for us, his people, that our life should be demonstrated in this way that no matter where we go, no matter where we are, this is our understanding that we have rest in our souls because of the Lord, that he has provided for us peace and our trust is totally in him. Now think about that. Them sheep are lying down in the field, even though there's danger around, they're not scared. They can lie down and they can go to sleep. Why? Because they know the shepherd is there to protect them. They know that the shepherd has took them to a place of peace where they do not need to worry anymore where they do not need to have fear. So it says he leads me then beside still waters. This rest continues. The, the still waters is God guiding us. You see the Lord guiding the sheep by these, by these still waters where they can drink and again have their full. For us as Christians, the Lord leads us to still waters and the still waters is God's word. That is where we take our drink. That is where we get our full. That is where we get nourished. And so the, the Lord leads us to his word. He comforts us through his word. He nourishes us through 
his word. It's the Lord who does this. He is our guide who lovingly leads us right where we need to be. Some of you right now are sitting here saying, I wish he'd lead me somewhere else. I'd reference you back to verse one about contentment. The Lord has you right now where you need to be, where you should be. One of the things I loved hearing the youth say, almost all of them to a T, I gotta leave here. I gotta get out of Monroe. If I'm gonna make something of myself, I gotta get out of this place. Like, like there was something better out there. There's not. Everybody, if you go anywhere, that's what everybody's saying about the place they live. I've gotta get out of here. Why? Because it's better somewhere else. There's more to do somewhere else. Or when you get somebody who's really fired up about the word of God, they come, I, God's calling me a missionary to, to go and to serve. Well, what about here? A lot of lost people here. A lot of ministry that can be done here. Maybe, maybe God has you here with that passion to serve here, to be faithful, to be faithful here. See, the Lord leads us, the Lord guides us. And he does this in a very loving way way because he's a good shepherd. He leads us beside the still waters, lovingly guiding us. Verse three says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We take that first part. He restores my soul. I want you to notice who is doing the restoring and who is the one who needs to be restored. The Lord restores my soul. It's not something that I can do. Listen, a week away will not restore anything for your soul. You say, oh yes, it would. If I could get away from my kids, if I could get away from my husband, you don't understand how refreshed and restored I would be. Listen, it will not happen. You know why? You have to come back to us. You gotta come back and we're still here. The problems are still here. The noise is still just as loud. None of that changes. And so instantly you feel the restoration go away. You know why? Because it's not a soul restoration. Only the Lord can restore our soul. And so many of you, I'm afraid, are working very hard at restoring yourself. You're, you're trying to better yourself with all these different things. And I have to tell you that that's not the answer. The answer is letting the Lord restore us. How? By the, by the still waters that he leads us to to lie down in the green pasture that he gives us, which again is the truth of his word and who he is. It is the Lord who brings us life. And the sheep know that. The, shepherd de- or the sheep depend on the shepherd for life. In Titus chapter three, verse four through seven, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has done this work for us. When God restores our soul, we have a new vitality. We, we We have a great feeling in our being because we know whose we are and we know what he's done for us. And he knows, we know that he will never let us go. And so we have this restoration of our soul that can never be took away, can never be took away. And we understand that God has given us things to continue to restore our soul. I don't have this in my notes, but 
That's why we have corporate worship. That's why God has given us things like Lord's Supper. That's why God has given us his word. That's why God has given us good songs and psalms to sing together. Why is that? It's to restore our soul. You know, just like me, you can leave this place this morning so excited. You could. Maybe that hasn't happened in a while. I hope it will today. You can leave so excited, but you know that it will not take much for you to get depleted again. We need restoration always. Oh, we understand that he saves us once and for all and for good. And we have that hope. But God continues to restore us. It says he leads us down paths of righteousness. Why? He doesn't lead us down paths of righteousness so that we look good. But for his name's sake, for his glory. And so as Christians, God, yeah, we are called to serve God. We're called to keep the law of God. We're, we're called to follow his plan for our life. Yes. But our life isn't about the rules. It's not about all these things. Just like we looked in Galatians. No, we do this. Why? We do this for his namesake. We do this for his glory. We do this so that he will be praised. I think this is the number one reason we do not evangelize. The number one reason why you do not share the gospel with your neighbor or with your lost family member. I don't think it's because of fear. I don't think it's because of ignorance. I think the number one reason is this, is that you don't love the Lord enough. You might say, Pastor, well, how dare you? I'm saying it to myself too. Because if I love the Lord how I should, then I should just be appalled that my neighbor doesn't worship him, that my neighbor doesn't glorify his name. And I should do everything in my power to try to talk with my neighbor, to try to share with my neighbor. Oh, not so that he goes to heaven. Yes, that is a good thing. But no, but let him know you need to worship the Lord because he deserves your praise. He created you. But oftentimes that's not what's on our mind. Evangelism becomes a love for people instead of a love for the Lord. And I think it's backwards. Evangelism needs to be driven from a love of the Lord, that he deserves praise, that his glory needs to be made known, not because we love people. And the reason I say that is this, sometimes I struggle to love people. I I think you do too. Uh, I'm just the one who stands up here and says it. But I have to believe there's many times in your life you think, hey, you're gonna get what you deserve. And it makes you kind of happy to think that. See, our love for people wanes, but our love for the Lord should never wane. And so we want to see people come to know him because he deserves their glory and it should be directed to him. And so that is our life as a Christian. That's what David says. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And it doesn't say so that I can be good, so that I can honor him. No, for his, for his name's sake, so that he can be glorified, so that he can be praised. Then we go to verse four. Yea, though I walk, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David talks about walking in fear and being in the valley of the shadow of death, the the darkness. This is something that King David experienced actually very often in his life. You think about his trials that he had with King Saul and how King Saul would try to kill him numerous times. So David would be fleeing and no doubt as he's as he's in that wilderness wandering around, wondering, when I get around this bend, is he going to be there? You know, when I turn this corner, if I, if I sleep in this cave, am I going to wake up to guards surrounding me? Living that life had to be very difficult. And he didn't just face it with Saul. He then faced it with his own son, Absalom, who tried to run him out of town so that he could be the king. 
And so in his life, David was constantly facing death, constantly having fear of what was around the next corner, not, not knowing what was going to happen in the shadows. Many people feel this way. Maybe in your life, you've felt this way a couple of times, but I know of people who feel this way all the time. They struggle with things in their life where they always have this fear in them, this anxiousness, this worry, where you can even ask them, well, what are you anxious about? I don't know. It's just in me. It's just killing me. It's just wearing me down. And maybe some of you today, if I said, raise your hand, if that's you, hands might go up all over the place. If we're really honest, the struggle, that's what David's talking about here. The valley of the shadow of death, this fear all the time. But David is reminded as he's writing this psalm saying, but because God is my shepherd, because of my relationship with him, I have no fear. I don't have to worry. Now, listen, I'm not saying that that's going to go away. But I'm saying that we can look Satan in the eyes and say, this isn't real. The fear and the worry that you're putting in my life is not real. And all weighs heavy on me. But I know the truth of God's word that I have nothing to fear. And all, you might, you might wreck this life with my fear, but one day that fear will be gone because I'll be with my Savior forever. Those are the promises that we have to speak into those situations. I, I can't sit here and say, I promise your anxiety will be gone. No, because I, I know that's not true. But I can promise you this. You can know the truth within that anxiety. You can know the truth within that fear. The Bible says we need not fear because the Lord is our good shepherd. Joshua chapter one, verse five and nine says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then verse nine, Joshua, I have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is a promise that God has given us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Even when we walk through those most difficult situations, the scariest things you can think of that you can go through. Marty and Sharon Cousins right now walking through that. Walking through that. She's known for a couple weeks. Just, just worried about what is going to happen. But then they can say, but you know what? The Lord is so good to us. The Lord's so good to us. He's going to see us through this. And, and Sharon even understands she's not sitting there declaring victory over God. Oh, I'm going to be healed. She's not even saying that. She's just saying, the Lord is good to me regardless of this situation. That, that's what David's talking about here. Oh yeah, we're going to face trials. We're going to face all these difficulties. But the Lord will not leave us. He went on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I could stay here all day, but I I don't have that time. The staff equals protection. The shepherd would protect with the staff. He would ward off the lions, ward off the beasts with the staff. He would guide and direct. Then he also says the rod and the rod equals discipline. And so, yes, we have this promise of protection from God and from our Lord, a secured salvation but we also have the promise of love in the Lord through discipline. Like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, that the Lord will discipline us. If your earthly father would discipline you for good, how much more would the father in heaven do so? 
And so the Lord loves you so much that he will not let you go astray into areas you shouldn't know. He will discipline you back. He will bring you back and bring, and bring you back. Just like the shepherd would go out and he would go after that sheep, right? He would, he would leave the sheep to go find the one that's lost, to care for him, to bring him back lovingly. But there still had to be discipline there. Why would you walk away from us? Why would you go? You should never do that again. Why does this discipline take place? Well, because of the love of the shepherd. We have that in our father. David would say, we, have, we don't need to fear the shadow of death. Why? Because the Lord's with us. He protects us. He guides us. He directs us. He even disciplines us, molds us, and shapes us. David would go on to verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This idea of eating comfortably when the enemy is at the door just really doesn't make sense. Your home is surrounded. Think about it. Thanksgiving is coming up and you have your whole family there and you've cooked and you go to sit down and you look outside and there are people with guns all over the place pointing at your house. Do you just eat? No, it's everybody just eat. Don't mind what's going on outside. Just be comfortable. That wouldn't happen. Sheer panic. David is saying, I have comfort even in the midst of my trials. As if you prepare a table before me when my enemies are around me, even though everything in us says fight or flight. No, David is saying, no, I'm comfortable because why? Because my protector is here. The Lord is here with me. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. He is right here beside me. And we know this as Christians, we are victorious. We are victorious. No matter what gets thrown around in this world, we are victorious. Now, this is one of my biggest struggles with a lot of the preaching that's taking place today. A lot of the preaching that's taking place today is saying, if you're not healed, you're not victorious because you don't have the right faith. That is not biblical. Please hear that, please. That is not a biblical principle. We are victorious because Christ was victorious. You will die. I will die. It doesn't say I will die in old age, nice and peacefully with my family around me. It does not say that. I will die. There's been many, many faithful Christians who have died very horrible deaths. And to look at them and say, you are not victorious would be foolish. We are not victorious because of the things that we do. No, we're victorious because of what he has done for us. And so we can look death in the eyes. When they're surrounded around us, we can still sit and eat comfortably knowing, (laughs) shoot me up. I'm still the winner. I'm still victorious because of what Christ has done for me. And then David would go on. He doesn't just eat in the presence of his enemies. He says, no, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. When you care for sheep, the shepherd would often anoint their heads with oil and this would keep bugs away. It would also help from the sun from sun exposure. And so there's a lot of show of care here. And the idea of the Lord caring for us personally, caring for the needs that that we have, but also anointing in scripture is always talking about a, a special guest of honor or even a setting aside of somebody special. And so with chaos outside the camp, complete chaos taking place outside, we see this picture of Jesus coming to us personally and anointing us with oil, caring for us, brushing our hair, watching over us, every detail, every need. Why? Because he knows he's 
already, I already got victory over those things outside. There is no concern. There is no worried worry. And now because of this, when we, when we see this great love that Christ has for us, that he would, he would feed us, that he would anoint us, David couldn't help but say, my cup overflows. The goodness that I have inside of me, my cup just overflows. And this is really why I chose this passage for Thanksgiving. As Christian, our cup overflows just abundantly. Just abundantly because of what Christ has done for us. And so as, we, as the whole country seems to focus on Thanksgiving and being thankful for things, this is the charge that we need to be leading. Our cup overflows because of what Christ has done for us. Well, then David ends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Follows me, it says. David knew that God's goodness and his mercy would always be there for him. Maybe, maybe you feel like in your life the exact opposite is the case. I always have bad luck. Everywhere I go, something falls apart. Everything I touch always breaks. That's not us as Christians. That's not the attitude we are to have as Christians. No, no, no. For us, goodness and mercy follow us. Everywhere we go, too, too often I get surrounded by people and it really drives me crazy. Just negative Nancy's all the time. You know those people? Everything is negative all the time. You're going out to do something fun. It can be whatever. I'm going to go play golf. It's going to be horrible. It's windy out. It's cold. I'm not even going to do any good. Well, that's great. I'm going to have fun with you today. Right? We all know those people. At times we are those people. But David says, no, as sheep, having the Lord as our shepherd, we have to understand that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. All the days of our life. As we, as we are children of the Lord, the rest of our life, goodness and mercy follow us. They follow us. They, they direct us. Why? Because the Lord loves his children. The Lord loves his sheep. So we have comfort in that. And then David would say, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 8, 35 says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. We are children of God, chosen by the king to be a part of his family. And so as we get together with whoever we may get together for Thanksgiving, if you're blessed enough to have a family to sit around you, and maybe you have a time or you share thanks or your church challenges you to write leaves of thanks, and maybe you sat there with that leaf and you just wondered, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to put. You could put, my cup runs over because I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. That's the promise that we have. That's what we as Christians have to be thankful for. Some of us this week might eat some lavish meal. Others might get a turkey sandwich. Some of us will sit with family and friends and feel surrounded with love and support. Others of you may not. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe it'll be difficult for you. 
But I know this, if we're Christians together, then this is true for both of us. This is true for all of us. Our cup runs over, Lord, because what you have done, because of your promises, because of your truth, surely goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our promise as Christians. That's our hope. That's our peace. That's our thankfulness. That's what we should be shouting from the mountaintops. I hope you sense that. I hope that you feel that. I hope that when you see that truth, it wells up inside of you. And if not, I hope that you'll still hold on to that truth and pray that God would use that in your heart to see his goodness. I'm gonna ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. As a way of invitation, it's very simple. We are gonna sing a song to close, but with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just believe for us as Christians, the simple response to this is thanksgiving. The simple response to this is gratefulness to our Lord for what he has done for us. And now some of us may need to repent though as well for not living a life like that. For looking at the externals and that determining our contentment and not the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. That his goodness and mercy follow us. So I hope you'll take this time to respond to God's word as I pray and then even as we sing. And if you're here this morning and you You're not sure if the Lord is your shepherd. I'd love to talk to you after service. I know I have a meeting, but that can wait. I'd love to talk to you about what that means a little more in depth. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for Psalm 23. I know it's something many of us have heard a lot, maybe even memorized it as a kid and still have it memorized. But God, so often we take for granted the truths of it. God, it really hammers home for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we're at and what we are facing, it really speaks to truth. If right now we just feel blessed, then obviously this psalm means much to us. But God, even for those right now who feel they're walking through that valley, for those this morning who are scared to turn around the next corner, who are nervous about opening the next envelope they get in the mail of what it might say, God, you're with them your rod and your staff. You promised to comfort them. So God, I pray that they would cling to your truth. I pray that they would cling to your hope and to your peace. And again, not on the external things of this world. God, give us contentment. But not, God, not just a contentment to sit and do nothing, but a contentment in you that then propels us to go out and to serve you. God, we have things so backwards So often we are not content about the things in our own life. We want more, more, more. But yet when it comes to our spiritual life, we just say, I'm content. God saved me. I'm good. It's all I need. God, help us to grow in you. Help us to share the good news with others so that your glory can be made known more and more so that you can receive more and more praise and worship as you do. So God, help us to respond to your word now. However, we need to do that. Maybe it's coming forward and praying. That's fine. Praying right where we're at. 
Or God, maybe it's just singing this song together as a church, lifting up the truth to you through singing. God, we thank you that we're not alone, but you've given us a shepherd through Christ to guide us, to love us, to protect us. Thank you for your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.